This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, October 27, 2009. I'm Caleb Brown. Pazar Kenneth Feinberg has cut the salaries of dozens of top executives at bailed-out banks. But is compensation really the problem? After all, the Fed has had authority to adjust compensation at financial institutions for some time, but chose not to use it. Mark Calabria, Director of Financial Regulation Studies at the Cato Institute, comments. Mr. Feinberg's job exists because Congress has mandated to the administration in the bank bailouts and subsequently has amended this in the, st- in the first stimulus that there be pay restrictions and that ex- quote unquote excessive compensation uh, be restricted uh, in terms of recipients that receive quote unquote extraordinary assistance. Uh, now, the administration, as uh, sadly so much in the TARP area, has huge amount of flexibility to interpret any of that, how they choose. Uh, Congress really did just say, you need to do something about this to these people without actually defining either of those terms. Um, so at the nudge of Congress, the uh, reaction of the administration uh, was to, you know, surprisingly, let's come up with a czar to do this. Let's assign somebody who can go out there uh, and find a way to make sure that compensation isn't overly uh, excessive and isn't encouraging of risk. So uh, the authority of it really comes from the statutory provisions of the the bank bailout. Um, And what he has done is propose two sets of things. One directly goes to the compensation of the seven largest – seven firms that he has determined have received extraordinary assistance. And these are the banks and and the auto companies um, and AIG. Ian, what he has said is – we're going to make sure that your cash compensation is not uh, overly excessive. And so one, there's a shift from the composition of, of compensation to be more towards stock rather than cash, and also to make sure that stock doesn't uh, – pay off anytime soon. Like, you, you know, there's how long you have to keep it. Uh, and it, and his proposal at the, currently is that you, know, you can't cash any of this in for three years. So he is trying to, in his mind, align the incentives of management uh, with the corporations. There is also clearly tremendous political pressure out there, you know, from the public to punish these banks in a way. Uh, they received, uh, you know, bailouts from America and, you know, they should be held to account. So there is a, certainly a political drive that pushed Congress to require the administration to do this and push Feinberg to come up with this. The other set of things he is doing broadly fall under the rubric of corporate governance. There's stuff like you know, separate, the mandate and the separation of chairman of the board from CEO, uh, eliminating the ability of boards to have staggered elections, stuff like that, that, that falls under that rubric. And that is the part that people such as Senator Schumer have talked about expanding to all publicly uh, traded corporations as the corporate governance changes. I think the uh, pay restrictions, as as awful as they are, but ninety percent reductions in in salaries for uh, for many of these uh, executives, uh, as bad as those are, what is in the corporate governance? changes and what are the likelihood of expanding those to other companies? Some of them, I I think there's a considerable interest. Uh, I mean, there's always been a long tension, you know, despite Sarbanes-Oxley and pre-Sarbanes-Oxley, 
the vast majority of uh, laws in terms of corporate governance was all state law. Uh, you know, Delaware has played, for instance, New Jersey before it has played a much bigger role historically in determining, you know, what these uh, changes should look like. And that varies considerably. You can still choose to incorporate in any of the 50 states, and, and that really sets the framework. But Congress has taken, you know, increasing interest before and since Sarbanes-Oxley in mandating several of that. Uh I think some of that will actually gain considerable steam. Um, how much of it, you know, and partly because none of it has really been subjected to serious debate and consideration. I mean, for instance, there's a very large empirical work that's looked at, you know, does separating the CEO from the chairman make any difference to the firm? And pretty much nobody's been able to find an empirical evidence that it makes any difference, despite what seemingly makes some sense, which is, you know, if you want the board to provide oversight, how can the board provide oversight if the CEO is cheering the board, you know, and directs the agenda? So, you know, there is a theoretical rationale that appeals to a lot of people on the left, like, well, boy, we need to separate this. But the fact is, is there's just no evidence to support it. On the pay restrictions themselves, like I said, 90% reduction in salaries uh, on average. What is the likelihood uh, of that type of tough decision, I suppose, being extended to uh, other levels of management in banks or extended to other kinds of institutions. One of the things that was missed a little bit, it got some press when Feinberg made his attention, but the same day the Federal Reserve put out an announcement that they're going to look at compensation restrictions for banks in general. So I do think you need to separate out it's best to separate institutions into three buckets. One is those that have received assistance from the government, and they're going to be under tight restrictions, and there's always going to be a political rationale whether it actually is good or bad to impose restrictions on them. The other set are going to be banks in general, because right now, bank regulators already possess power under the statutory uh, authorities they have to restrict and structure compensation if they believe it poses a risk to the safety and soundness of the institution. So all throughout this crisis, I mean, this is one of the things that's been interesting is that if the Fed, you know, if compensation was what got us here, the Fed had authority to change that before they didn't. So, you know, the, the argument that that was never lacking. But the other set of institutions are those that are non-banks that are just, you know, the, you know, Xeroxes, you know, or, or IBMs of the world that aren't banks, that haven't taken money, that, you know, haven't done anything to do with this. And I think it's very unlikely that you'll see these sort of restrictions applied to those institutions. People will talk about it because there's always a uh, political populist benefit to railing against outrageous corporate compensation. And you know, it's only taken the the uh, focus on the banks because they've taken the ballots and, and the auto companies as well. Uh, we haven't been bailing out the rest of corporate America, at least not directly. So the likelihood of that expanding to that third group with non-bank corporate America, I think is very unlikely. It's interesting here that Congress essentially gave the president broad latitude to uh, impose these restrictions. And then the president also not wanting to directly make those decisions, then delegated that to someone else to make those very difficult decisions about it. There certainly has been, even even by Washington standards, uh, in attempts to basically avoid you know, all responsibility and accountability on any of this. Uh, Congress completely punted, but done it, did it in a way that it could always go back and say that if things didn't work out, it wasn't their fault. And the administration's done the same thing. They've set up this and they've been very, you know, 
explicit. I mean, I think they put they made sure that everybody knew that when Feinberg made the decision that he's met with Geithner like twice since he's been there, and they've really like emphasized there's been no oversight. We haven't directed what he's done. So they're trying in a way to have the best of both worlds, which is. They want to allow, you know, and, and channel that populist anger over pay. But, you know, when these things potentially come back to hurt the corporations, because there's this trade-off. If, if you micromanage these corporations, it's very hard when they don't pay money back to say that it's not your fault, that you didn't have anything to do with this. So, you know, the administration wants to kind of keep the ability to micromanage these corporations to a degree – but they also want to be able to give themselves an out and say, well, you know, it's not our fault we didn't give the taxpayers money back and that these corporations lost money because, you know, boy, we're not running them. So they want to run them and not run them at the same time. And they clearly recognize if they run these corporations to the ground and we don't get our money back as, in terms of taxpayers, it's going to reflect very poorly on the president. Mark Calabria is Director of Financial Regulation Studies at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at Cato.org.